answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, February 4th. I'm your host, Terry Aranga, here with my guest, Dr. Isabella Wentz. Isabella Wentz received her Doctor of Pharmacy from the Midwestern University Chicago College of Pharmacy at age 23, subsequently becoming a community pharmacist, a clinical consulting pharmacist, and a medication safety pharmacist. She is a fellow of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists and holds certifications in medication therapy management, as well as advanced diabetes care. Dr. Wentz worked as part of an interdisciplinary team consulting on thousands of complicated patient cases, often caused by rare disorders. Although trained as a pharmacist, she was a champion for lifestyle interventions, which often helped patients much more than any medications. After moving to a new city, she was given the opportunity to lead a statewide medication safety initiative, transitioning to a career in medication safety and healthcare quality improvement. There, she developed an expertise about the whole systems approach, rapid tests of small change, outcome tracking, and root cause analysis. After being diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in 2009, Dr. Wen summarized three years of research and two years of testing in her book, Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. Welcome, Dr. Wen. Thank you so much for having me, Terry. It's a pleasure to be here. You're welcome. Thank you for being on. So, Dr. Wentz, our topic today is Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which you've studied, but how long did it take you to realize this was the name for what you had, and what were all the diverse symptoms you were suffering with? So, that's a really interesting question, and the more I think about my past medical history, the earlier I can start pinpointing some of the symptoms I had that were possibly autoimmune or thyroid-related. So I remember, you know, being seven, eight years old and having really cold hands and feet, which we know is now is a, could be a potential thyroid symptom. And I also remember not wanting to eat as a small child, and that could have been related to the autoimmune condition. So I would say a major shift in my health happened right around age 19, and this was after I had um, mono or Epstein-Barr infection in college. So prior to that, I had been really energetic teenager and young adult, and after my Epstein-Barr infection, I just found myself really lethargic, not able to get out of bed, sleeping for 12, 14 hours was my new norm, going from sleeping for eight or nine hours. So I, you know, like anybody, I was concerned about my health, and I saw multiple doctors, and most of them 
just about every one of them told me that I was okay. A few of them told me that maybe I was depressed or stressed out, and they really didn't have an answer for me. So I just sort of, I, I learned to sort of live with it. I just became a lot more efficient and just try to do my best to adapt to my new sleeping schedule. Um, later on when I was in my 20s, I developed irritable bowel syndrome that was really, really severe to the point where I was having multiple episodes throughout the day. And eventually I was able to figure out that there were certain dietary triggers that I had for this condition. And this got somewhat better after I removed the soy from my diet. Finally, around age 25, I started to develop really severe anxiety allergies, hypoglycemia, acid reflux. Um, I had a chronic cough that uh, resulted in me sleeping pretty much upright for almost three years. I also started losing a lot of my hair and was sleeping under two blankets in Southern California where the weather was 70 degrees year-round. Um, so this was, these symptoms were all on top of the fatigue I had already had for, for at least six years. I started to go and see additional doctors to try to figure out if there was anything wrong with me. And after a couple of years, I was eventually diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis as well as borderline thyroid function or subclinical hypothyroidism. So I guess in short, I would say that the symptoms of the condition were around for probably 15 years before I was diagnosed. So it was quite a long journey. Yes, you had already been suffering quite a long time. And um, Dr. Wentz, there was one thing you mentioned and the line cut out. You said you were helped by eliminating a certain component from your diet. Yes, so actually it was soy. So when I was initially diagnosed with irritable bowel syndrome, I worked with, um, with a pharmacist that was a friend of mine and she helped me pinpoint some of the, some of the things in my diet that I might have been reacting to. It actually turned out to be soy. So after removing soy from my diet, um, my episodes of irritable bowel syndrome reduced drastically, I would say, by about 90%. Okay, and we'll be talking more about diet a little bit later. You mentioned also, Dr. Wentz, autoimmune disease, and Hashimoto's thyroiditis is an autoimmune disease. So can you please explain to our listeners what an autoimmune disease is and the concept of molecular mimicry? Absolutely. So an autoimmune disease is basically a condition where our own immune system, for some reason, starts to attack parts of our own body. So instead of attacking pathogens and viruses and bacteria that are not supposed to be there, it starts attacking something that's, that is supposed to be around. One of the main theories as to why autoimmune conditions develop is known as the molecular mimicry theory. And this theory basically says that the immune system uh, recognizes a bacteria, virus, or another kind of pathogen that we're exposed to and starts building antibodies to that particular pathogen. Um, And that there are parts of the pathogen that look like um, a part of our own anatomy. So maybe there are a few proteins on the cell wall of the bacteria that might look like something on the heart valve. So this is um, a case of mistaken identity. So basically the wrong, the wrong part of us is marked for, for attack rather than just the virus. Uh, one of the most common 
uh, well-known causes of this molecular mimicry is the streptococcus bacteria responsible for strep throat as well as rheumatic fever. And that's when basically the immune system sees this bacteria and the bacteria have similar proteins that the heart valves do and then the immune system attacks our heart valves instead. And so there have been people who have had to get heart valve replacements as a result of that. I think the most well-known person is actually former Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger that was afflicted with this. A scary concept. Well, you've mentioned antibodies, and um, could you please describe the thyroid and the enzymes and chemicals related to it that we'll be talking about today with particular regard to thyroid peroxidase antibodies? So, of course, without without getting too technical, the thyroid is a tiny butterfly-shaped organ that sits at the bottom of our neck, and its main function is to regulate metabolism in our body. So, by doing so, the thyroid actually affects almost every cell in the body. So, you'll see that a lot of the symptoms people talk about are very nonspecific just because they affect everything. So, there are two main thyroid hormones that are active in the body, and they are produced by the thyroid gland, and we're just going to call them T4 and T3. And the key thing to remember is that T3 is the more active hormone. And um, another important component is the thyroid peroxidase enzyme, which is involved with thyroid hormone production. Um, this enzyme is often the target for the autoimmune attack. And um, one of the ways to diagnose Hashimoto's thyroiditis is when doctors run a test for antibodies and they find antibodies to the thyroid peroxidase enzyme, which is the TPO enzyme, as well as potentially, in some cases, thyroglobulin antibodies. And thyroglobulin is, um, is part of a storage protein associated with the thyroid. The, the main antibody that most people have is the thyroid peroxidase antibody or TPO antibody. So I guess this is what you would call a biomarker. Absolutely. Okay. Autism is an autoimmune disease too. And in reading your book, it seems like there are various ways to get to Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And that also reminds me of autism. Does it impress you that way? It does. And, you know, I believe that there's a lot of overlap between autoimmune conditions in general. So when we think about, you know, different diseases, we think about cancer, you know, cancer might affect our lymph nodes, it might affect our, you know, our our kidneys or different parts of our bodies or our brain. And usually we're referred to an oncologist where with an autoimmune condition, all of the autoimmune conditions have the same basic underlying structure. Um, and I'll explain that a little bit more, but we don't see specialists in autoimmune. Usually if we have um, a joint problem, we'll see a rheumatologist. If we have an autoimmune thyroid condition, it'll be an endocrinologist. An autoimmune, um, like a Crohn's disease, we'll see a gastroenterologist. And so I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between, between understanding that all of these conditions have very similar underlying mechanisms. Um, there's a new research that suggests that three things need to be present for an autoimmune condition to develop. So um, the right set of genes. So we do know that there's a genetic component to autoimmunity and different genes will predispose you to a different kind of autoimmune condition. 
And the second part is a trigger. So we'll talk a little bit more about triggers, but this could be a virus, bacteria, or even a food. Um, and then the third um, thing is actually intestinal permeability. So this is a brand new concept, and basically this means that um, our intestines are not able to hold their contents within them. And we don't really, you know, when I first was diagnosed with a thyroid condition, I didn't really think of my intestines as having any relation to the thyroid. But, of course, our body is a system. Different organs don't live in a vacuum by themselves. And the reason why the intestines are really important is that the majority of our immune system actually develops and lives in the intestines. So the intestines work to provide a barrier between the outside world and us. When we have foods that um, get into our circulation, if the intestine is permeable or bacteria or different things that are not supposed to get into our circulation, that's when our immune system may mistakenly um, identify them for target and get become confused. So it's really interesting to to note that a lot of times something that may trigger an autoimmune condition in one person and this person might get, you know, Hashimoto's, another person with similar triggers might get a completely different condition because they have different genes. Um, I'll give you an example. I recently had a reader write me a letter and this was a young woman who, um, after reading my book, was able to put her autoimmune thyroid condition into remission. And she did this by following a gluten-free, dairy-free, and soy-free diet. And now her dad actually has psoriasis, which is another autoimmune condition that affects the skin. And he actually was able to put his autoimmune condition by following the same advice. So it's really interesting because, you know, we might have different genes and it's the interaction between the genes, the triggers, and intestinal permeability. Very good. Very good very practical and important information to alleviate people's suffering. So we will be right back with Dr. Isabella Wentz. And during the break, you can visit her website, www.thyroidpharmacist.com. And also our sponsor's website, Scientific Learning's Brain Pro Autism and their Fast Forward Technology at www.brainprolearning.com or give them a call at 855 308 1362. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260 day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. 
Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Isabella Wentz, author of Hashimoto's Thyroiditis Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. And before the break, Isabella, you summarized for us that the three things that are the ingredients for an autoimmune condition appearing are uh, genes, triggers, and intestinal permeability. Do you think that there's a genetic component both with autism and with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and do you think that there's a viral insult that's a tr- that can be a trigger to both? Yeah, absolutely. So there's definitely, we definitely know that there's a genetic component to every autoimmune condition. But the interesting thing about the genetics of of autoimmunity is that it's not a definite. So just because you have a gene to develop an autoimmune condition does that does not mean that you're going to get this condition. So we'll say um, a purely genetic condition, we would know that if you had an identical twin, that means the twin has identical genes to you, that this twin, that there's a 100% chance that you and the twin will have the same condition. With autoimmunity, there's generally about a 50% chance. If you, if, you know, if I have a twin sister and I, I have Hashimoto's, there's a 50% chance that my twin sister will have the same condition. And there's a 50% chance that she will not. And that chance, it really is determined by triggers that the sister or the twin is exposed to. So um, one of the biggest viral triggers for Hashimoto's that has been identified is the Epstein-Barr virus. So this is the virus that causes mono. And this particular virus has been implicated in a lot of different autoimmune conditions as well. All right. So if you had a sister and she never ate a bagel, never had an antibiotic, never had traveling vaccines, never lived in a college dormitory, she might not have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Absolutely. And what's um, what's interesting is my mom is actually an identical twin and my mom does not have any thyroid conditions and her twin had Graves' disease at some point. And so we know that this makes it even more important to have good um, preconception care, prenatal care, perinatal care, and the perinatal period lasts a while to protect our children from, say, toxic triggers. Mm, Absolutely. You talk in your book, too, about depletions. What are those, and do depletions cause the illness, or does the illness cause depletions? So we talk a lot about nutrient depletions, and nutrient depletions um, could be, you know, a bit of a vicious cycle thing when with them because, you know, when we don't eat the right foods or we don't have the right digestive enzymes in place, then we end up 
not absorbing the correct nutrients from our foods. And then, you know, then we don't grow the right bacteria that digest those foods that extract further nutrients from them. And it sort of becomes a vicious cycle. Um, the other thing is if we have an infection, um, some infections, some gut infections can cause a malabsorption of iron. So then that becomes a vicious cycle on its own because we don't absorb iron um, and then we're more likely to, to get more infections. And um, a lot of times people, when they address these nutrient depletions, this will help a lot of their symptoms. So symptoms like hair loss or fatigue or um, inability to lose weight, which are some of the more common symptoms that people complain about, and brain fog. Um, addressing them will actually help symptom-wise and sometimes will even um, lower the immune system attack. But a lot of times this is not going to be a complete remission of the condition if you address the nutrient depletions because there's usually an underlying reason for the nutrients. So, you know, taking a selenium supplement, which is found to be beneficial in Hashimoto's, will not completely, you know, reverse the condition, but it will be very helpful. Um, there's some other nutrient deficiencies. So there's um, amino acid called glutamine that helps with maintaining the gut integrity and gut lining. So if you would, if you are happen to be deficient in that, taking that can actually reestablish the gut lining, keeping in mind nothing else is upsetting it, and that can actually produce um, a remission of the autoimmune condition. But it, it's not really a one-size approach because, you know, my Hashimoto's is not your Hashimoto's is not your aunt's Hashimoto's. So it's everybody has, um, you know, a combination of the genes, triggers, and then intestinal permeability, but there's not just one reason for intestinal permeability. There are, you know, there are dozens, um, 20, 30 probably different reasons why somebody might have that. Right. It can seem mysterious to to wonder why if somebody took some antibiotics and ended up with what looked like colitis, they thereafter seem to develop hay fever. Um, but as the gut goes, so goes the body. Absolutely. You really, Dr. Wentz, had a whole soup of stressors and insults, uh, for example, antibiotics that caused you to crash, and you identify numerous possible triggers and pathologies in your book. So how is anyone supposed to tease out what their own root causes are? So the best way to do that is actually to make yourself a health timeline. So try to think back um, in your earliest, earliest of memories of how you were as a child, what kind of things you were exposed to, and thinking about stress, um, periods of illness, periods of trauma, periods of um, different medication use. So I talk about different medications can cause nutrient depletions or an imbalance in gut flora, which we talk about how important gut flora is for maintaining the intestinal barrier and turning on the, um, actually turning on the genes and possibly acting as a trigger. So, so the health timeline is a really great exercise that I would highly recommend for everybody. And it, it doesn't have to be fancy. You just take out a piece of paper and just try to remember all of the different things that you've gone through in your life, il major illnesses and stressors and things like that. And, and that you can, can actually, pinpoint that. 
you, you consult, right? I'm sorry. You, you actually consult with people and can help tease these things out for them, figure these things out? I do. Um, I actually have a lot of great information in my book on how to how people can help themselves. And then I also work with a small number of people that, you know, that have read my book and maybe are still have some pressing questions. Okay. We're going to go back to the gut again. And um, you've mentioned the gut being um, necessary to autoimmune diseases just to reiterate that point, and you've mentioned it in relation to Hashimoto's thyroiditis, and we know that it is so pivotal to autism, and it's a foundational intervention for many physicians who uh, help individuals with the diagnostic label of autism, you know, heal the gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and that the gut is actually... Um, the very, very important thing to think about, and I would say where to start for, for every autoimmune condition, um, Dr. Alessio Fasano is a gastroenterologist researcher that actually identified the, the, the three-legged stool of autoimmunity, which is the, the triggers, the gut permeability, as well as the genetics. And the interesting thing that he has brought to our attention is that you know, we really, we don't know how to change our genes at this time. Maybe in 3014, we'll be able to do that. But at this time, that's not really a possibility. Um, sometimes we may be able to identify the triggers. So for some people, a trigger may be something like gluten or a bacterial infection. And you can you can treat that trigger and get rid of it. Um, a lot of cases, you know, we, we don't always recognize the triggers. But the third piece of the puzzle, the intestinal permeability, we can actually treat that. So when we address the intestinal permeability, then um, the autoimmune, the three-legged stool can no longer stand and the autoimmunity can go completely into remission. Um, There's a protein called zonulin that's expressed in the intestinal cells when they become more permeable. So Dr. Fasano has identified... um, that this protein is elevated in just about every autoimmune condition from autism to rheumatoid arthritis to lupus to Hashimoto's and Graves' disease. And the really, really interesting new field of work that is, is just emerging is called epigenetics. And basically, they look at how our genes interact with our environment. So, so basically, the gut... Um, the gut bacteria have are thought to be able to turn genes on and off. So I think this is really, really interesting and a very compelling reason for um, for everybody with an autoimmune condition to really think about your gut function and and start thinking about what are some ways you can improve that. I am so glad you mentioned that, Dr. Wentz. I was thinking about epigenetics, and I'm so glad you brought that up. And we're going to take a break here at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Scientific Learning Brain Pro Autism and their Fast Forward Technology. Please visit them at www.brainprolearning.com or click on the pretty banner on my host page. We will be right back with Dr. Isabel Wen. Mm-hmm. 
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Every weekend, take some time out of your schedule for New Reflections, featuring Dr. Adam Rubenstein. It's a show about all things aesthetic, from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty. You'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Dr. Isabella Wentz, and she wrote the book Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. She also has a website, www.thyroidpharmacist.com, and she did much research and much much testing and had personal experience as well as um, background education. This is a very meaty book, so um, you can pick up a copy of this. Actually, Isabella, where can you pick up a copy of this? So it's available at Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble as well. Um, And you can actually, if you go to thyroidpharmacist.com slash book, you can find out more about the book. You can get it as a paperback or an e-book and read some of the reviews that people have written about it. Good. And it is indeed very meaty, lots of information. So, Dr. Wentz, how does one find an enlightened specialist, uh, in addition to you, for medical guidance? Well, it's it's not that easy, but they are out there. So I would recommend seeing a functional medicine practitioner. So these practitioners actually approach the person as a whole. Um, rather than the traditional medical approach is to just look at the thyroid by itself in a vacuum and make sure that somebody's on the right thyroid hormones and kind of send them off on their way. And I, I think thyroid hormones have a lot of value, but I also encourage everybody to look work with a practitioner that looks at the person as a whole and looks at what, what some of the triggers and factors have um, can contribute to autoimmunity and can help working, work on reversing that or slowing its progression or halting its progression. And so, um, what? In, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. 
I was going to say the Institute of Functional Medicine is a great place to start. Okay. And what are the appropriate tests that are essential? You mentioned that, you know, a doctor might just give somebody some thyroid hormone and send them on their way, but what are the appropriate tests that they should be doing and which are the tests that many doctors in the mainstream might miss? Um, that's a really, really great question. And unfortunately, thyroid testing is not routine. So, you know, when you get to be maybe around perimenopause, that's when it becomes more routine. But women my age, um, you know, when I was first struggling with thyroid disorders, you know, when I was 19, 20 years old, are generally not going to be screened for thyroid, um, especially ones that are not complaining about all of the advanced symptoms like very, very, um, a lot of weight gain and things like that. So um, the TSH test is the thyroid stimulating hormone test. And this is considered a screening test for, for thyroid function. And basically the TSH is um, something that gets released when there's not enough hormone. So when this number is too high, that means that our body is saying we need to produce more. And this is used traditionally as a screening test. And it can be very good for picking up advanced cases of the condition. But unfortunately, um, in the early cases of the condition, the test, the TSH number can be, you know, up and down and then normal. So it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the best screening test. Um, the other problem with that particular test is that back in the day when they figured out the normal range for this T, for the TSH test, they actually included um, a lot of people with impaired thyroid function in the mix. So the reference range was way too lax. So um, a person with normal thyroid function would not have a TSH above 2.5, but they were including a person with a TSH of 8 to be considered normal. And, oh. and you know, when I, when I had a TSH of four, I was sleeping for 12 hours a day. And wow. when my TSH was at three, my hair, you know, I, I can't brush my hair. It starts falling out. So, so it's, it's a really tricky, subtle number that most people will say they feel best when it's between 0.5 and 2. And some people, some doctors suggest that it should be right around that one for normal thyroid function. Um, but like we said, that can kind of fluctuate as well. So the other really important tests for thyroid function are going to be the thyroid peroxidase antibodies, that's TPO antibodies, as well as thyroglobulin or TG antibodies. And this is something that um, is going to become elevated many, many years before the TSH actually changes. So that would be um, something I would really encourage anybody to get with a history, family history of thyroid disorders or any, any of the symptoms that we really talked about because it's much easier to address the autoimmune component at that stage and then prevent damage of the thyroid by the immune system because at some points the thyroid gland can become damaged um, and then it's much harder to you know, to reverse the condition at that point. The other tests are going to be free T3 and then free T4. So these are the, the hormones that are inside of the body 
that um, that we can measure. And sometimes there's also another test, which I don't routinely recommend, but it may be helpful as well, would be a test called reverse T3. And reverse T3 is basically um, the opposite of the active thyroid hormone, and this um, can, can cause thyroid symptoms when the other tests are normal. And then I suppose you would also need someone who knew how to read the test, read the test results, the significance of what they're seeing on a lab sheet. Absolutely. And I would always encourage every patient to make sure that they get a copy of their own test results um, so that they can do their own research. Um, As a consultant pharmacist, I've seen many, many times where, um, you know, things just get missed. So a person might have diabetes, but it doesn't get picked up because somebody, you know, missed miss that line on the on the test. So I really encourage everybody to get a copy of their own test, do their own research, um, you know, get a second opinion. And don't let somebody tell you that you're there's nothing wrong with you when you know that there's something going on with your body. And are these tests, the um, thyroid peroxidase antibodies, the TG antibodies, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, are these tests that you can get at a standard lab that has reasonable um, reference ranges or do you need to go to a specialty lab? You can actually get them at any lab. So most labs will will do those tests without an issue and most of them should be covered on insurance as well. If if you can't get your doctor to order these labs for you, I would recommend um, there's a lot of a lot of different lab companies. So my labs for life or my med lab, um, labs direct where you can order the labs on your own and, um, you know, just to make sure if that, that you're okay with those, if nobody will run them for you. Sometimes, you know, some, sometimes doctors can be resistant to running more than the TSH because some of them don't understand the value of the other tests. We haven't really talked a lot about medication yet. Is there a time and a place in any part of the journey for prescription medication? What's the balance between medication use and lifestyle choices? I think that's a really, really great question. And medications uh, do save lives and they can be very, very important, especially in the advanced cases of of Hashimoto's where the person becomes hypothyroid, where their thyroid is damaged to the point where they're not producing enough of their own thyroid hormones. Um, At that point, there are a variety of medication options. The most popular one is levothyroxine. Some of the brand names are going to be Synthroid and Lavoxyl. And many people do pretty well on this medication. Um, However, some people, um, the we talked a little bit, about the T4 and the T3 hormones and the levothyroxine is actually T4. And some people do very well on that. The T4, the body converts it at its own rate to T3, which is the more active hormone. Um, but some people for, you know, variety of different reasons may not be able to convert the medications properly. So they may need a combination of medication that contains both T4 and T3. And those medications can be obtained from either a compounding pharmacist or, um, 
or there's a medication called Cytomel that could be added on to the to the levothyroxine, or a person can um, can look into natural thyroid medications, which are derived from the glands of um, of of usually pigs or cows, and they contain the T4 and T3 um, just as the animals do in their thyroid glands, which is very similar to how we contain them. And those medications are known as Armour Thyroid or Nature Thyroid, and they're both prescription medications as well. Um, well generally, what's that? I was going to ask Dr. Wentz, once you have gut wall impairment, once the integrity of your gut wall has been compromised, are you able to metabolize these prescription medications or even nutritional supplements um, optimally? So when the gut function is impaired, then a lot of different things are, are happening. So depending on what part is affected, you know, you could be having trouble absorbing vitamins or absorbing um, medications or supplements. Um, uh, the biggest thing that people have trouble with is actually absorbing nutrients from their food when they um, have impaired gut function. So um, usually supplements and medications are a little bit easier to absorb. Okay. You talk about selenium and glutathione deficiency in your book, and I know from my work with autism that that sounds suspiciously like a person who got challenged with mercury. Do you think that that's a big factor, mercury or other toxins and endocrine disruptors? Yeah, absolutely. I think mercury has been identified as a trigger um, for Hashimoto's as well as additional, a variety of other endocrine disruptors. And um, what they found is that once um, people who have had mercury fillings, once those fillings are removed, that the people's thyroid antibodies actually lower. Um, Clinically, I haven't found that to be a major trigger for people. So it's something that I wouldn't say start with mercury. I would say start with your diet, look at your adrenals, look at your gut function. And then um, a lot of times people maybe are not able to clear their toxins well enough because they have impaired gut function. All right. We're going to pick up with the adrenals when we come back to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel with Dr. Isabella Wentz. Check out her website at www.thyroidpharmacist.com and also our sponsor's website, www.brainprolearning.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. It's a beautiful day. Do you look your best? Do you feel your best? While everybody ages, why does it seem to show more in some people than others? It could have to do with what's inside and how it affects you outside. Tune in to Health & Beauty for Life with Dr. Tang and Alexandra. Their training in medicine and nutrition brings proven results with their patients. And now they're ready to bring that knowledge to you. We'll answer your questions and explore innovations in technology and medicine to keep you looking and feeling your best. Tune in Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Save on your prescriptions with the RX Savings Plus drug discount card offered by Voice America. It is not insurance and discounts are only available from participating pharmacies, but 9 out of 10 pharmacies participate nationwide. Everyone is eligible for RX Savings Plus. There's no age or income restrictions and no paperwork. Simply print a card and start saving on your prescriptions. Start saving today. Enroll and print your free card online at voiceamerica.rxsavingsplus.com or text the word talk radio to 96362. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Isabella Wentz. She's the author of Hashimoto's Thyroiditis, Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. And Dr. Wentz, what's the interrelationship of the adrenals with all of this? So that's a really, really great question. And the adrenals are very intimately involved with, with thyroid function. Um, one of the main reasons why somebody might have, um, people might feel better initially when they get on thyroid medications and then they start feeling worse is when they have um, unknown adrenal issues. So um, the adrenals really are, are known as our stress organs and they can become really compromised when, when we're exposed to a lot of inflammation, to a lot of food sensitivities, uh, a lot of stress in our lives, um, chronic pain, chronic infection, sleep deprivation, those kind of things. And they basically, um, they will help control the inflammatory response in the body. And once adrenal function is compromised, then inflammation sort of becomes unchecked, um, we can become hypoglycemic without getting the right kind of balance. And um, a lot of people will become really exhausted once their adrenals are, are impaired. Um, so with, with people with thyroid issues, hypothyroidism, autoimmune hypothyroidism, I would say probably 80 to 90% of them also have really impaired adrenal function. So this is something that they need to address as well because the adrenals and the thyroid sort of work to balance one another. And if you, um, you know, if you don't balance one, then you may not balance the other. Um, one couple of different things people can do is one, they could do an adrenal saliva test to figure out if their adrenals are, are um, impaired. Um, and I, coming from a traditional pharmacy world, I wasn't very much on board with adrenals as um, adrenal fatigue as being a, a valid diagnosis, but I actually did the test, gave in and did the test myself and found that I had really impaired adrenal function and and took all of the right interventions and found that it was really, really helpful for me. Um, my fatigue got much, much better as well as many, many of my symptoms. And when people think about the thyroid, they naturally think about iodine. But mm-hmm. that's something that people should be really mindful of when to use. Is it good or bad? Yeah, so the iodine is kind of very, uh, it, it's a controversial topic. So we do know that iodine is absolutely required for proper thyroid hormone function. And worldwide for the last, you know, hundreds of years, the number one reason why people have low thyroid was because 
of iodine deficiency. Um, however, within the last, um, you know, 30, 50 years, a lot of countries have started adding iodine to the salt supplies. And so now most of us are not going to be iodine deficient. And, and iodine is one of those nutrients that we call a Goldilocks nutrient where um, it has a narrow therapeutic index. So if you don't have enough of it, that's a problem. But if you have too much of it, that can be a problem too. So they found, um, they did some studies in a few Eastern European countries, and I have them outlined in my book. But basically before they added iodine to the salt supply, they measured the rates of thyroid antibodies in the general school-age population. And they were found to be um, at a certain percentage. And then following 10 years later, after the iodine was added to the salt supply, they repeated the study. And then they found that the rates of, um, of thyroid antibodies actually increased, sometimes twofold, threefold, sometimes fourfold, depending on the country um, that was studied. So basically, the um, excess iodine has now been identified as a trigger for Hashimoto's. And in the westernized world where we add iodine to our salt supply, 90 to 95% of the time, it's Hashimoto's. It's not iodine deficiency that causes low thyroid. That's not to say that some people don't have iodine deficiency and that some people, um, some people with Hashimoto's might even have iodine deficiency, but I wouldn't, um, you know, I wouldn't just start taking iodine if you have thyroid issues. Um, one thing that people can do is they can order their own lab tests from ZRT labs or have their practitioners order them to see if they have an iodine deficiency or not, and then act accordingly. In your book, Isabella, you also mentioned digestive enzymes, probiotics, and special diet. Can you briefly tell us about what may be called for there? So one of the really, really important um, distinctions about um, Hashimoto's is that um, a lot of people have impaired digestion and um, low stomach acid is actually um, very, very common in people with, with Hashimoto's. And so this, this, sorts, this sounds kind of strange. Um, I was diagnosed with acid reflux and, um, you know, symptoms, and I, and I thought this was because I had excess acid. Well, unfortunately, the symptoms of ex- excess acid and then low stomach acid are very much the same. And most times you're not going to get the right testing done to determine which one you have or which one you don't have. So I was taking acid suppressant medication. And unfortunately, rather than making things better for me, they made things worse. So they made me, um, they lessened my ability to absorb um, B12 and iron and other nutrients from my food. And they also made me more tired. So there's one particular um, supplement that a lot of people have found very helpful and it's called betaine with pepsin and this is a supplement for low stomach acid and it helps people digest their food. So this is going to be taken with protein meals um, and different people need different doses. I actually have the whole chapter of my book on nutrient depletions that's available for people to download for free from my website, and that's thyroidpharmacist.com slash gift. 
and you can get the whole protocol for using the betaine with pepsin there. Um, the other really important things that I have found helpful would be probiotics. Um, so there's a theory that people, you know, people with impaired digestion will often have an imbalance in the gut. So I would recommend um, VSL-3 is a pretty good probiotic. Many people have had benefits with as well as um, any kind of multi-strain probiotic that has a lot of good beneficial bacteria. Um, as far as diets go, I highly recommend nutrient-dense diets. So diets like the paleo diet, the GAPS diet, specific carbohydrate diet, body ecology, Weston A. Price diet, as well as um, a diet called the autoimmune paleo diet um, have been very, very helpful for people. So some people have been able to put their conditions into remission. So they've been able to get rid of their antibodies and normalize their thyroid function tests just by changing their diet. Um, and that, I think, is, is crucial for people to, to understand that once we, we support ourselves with the right things, we can often restore our body's innate ability to rebalance itself. Very cool. So what are the first three things that listeners can do right now as soon as we close to get started toward a solution and healing? So one of the very first things that I would recommend is changing your diet to a nutrient-dense diet, so the ones we already talked about, and trying to figure out your food sensitivity. So we didn't get into this a lot, but people, um, one of the first studies I found was that gluten um, can be a trigger for Hashimoto's, and then some people can reverse the condition by eliminating gluten. So definitely going gluten-free, um, that's the best thing that you can do for yourself, Um Maybe think about even going dairy-free or soy-free as well as um, embarking on a nutrient-dense diet like the paleo diet or the other ones we mentioned. Um, the other really important thing is looking at your adrenals. So a lot of times people will have adrenal dysfunction. So working to balance your blood sugar. Um, one of the things that can really, really help is getting... Um, good protein and fat with every meal rather than, let's say, eating cereal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, cereal can really spike up our blood sugar and cause imbalances. And when our adrenals are taxed, the blood sugar imbalances can actually um, put more flame in the fire, put more gas in the fire, not more flame in the fire. And then the other thing that I would recommend is actually to do gut testing. So there's a test called the GI effect profile that will look at your balance of good bacteria versus bad bacteria, as well as if you have any um, gut infections or parasites or things that should not be there that are potentially causing you to have the intestinal permeability. Um, those would be three things that I would really, really highly recommend for anybody dealing with an autoimmune condition, especially okay. Um, Hashimoto's. Okay, nutrient-dense diet, addressing food sensitivity, Activities, addressing the adrenals, and gut testing. Isabella, thank you so much, Dr. Wentz, for bringing all of this important and helpful information here to us today. I know it's helped you. I received a report from another mom who was helped as well, so thank you for sharing this information. Thank you so much for having me on, Terry, and thank you for the work that you do in helping so many people. Oh, thank you. Well, listeners, don't forget to visit Dr. Wentz's website, 
thyroidpharmacist.com. The book is called Hashimoto's Thyroiditis Lifestyle Interventions for Finding and Treating the Root Cause. Isabella Wentz will also be speaking at the Autism One 2014 conference, which is being held May 21st through 25th in Chicago. Please register at www.autismone.org to see Dr. Wentz and over 100 speakers for five days of lectures and relaxing evening special events. My guest next week is Dr. David Perlmuter. Thank you to this program sponsor, Scientific Learning's Brain Pro Autism and their Fast Forward Technology. Please visit www.brainprolearning.com and call 855-308-1362. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.